Hello and welcome to the MIG Plus One podcast, where I sit down with industry leaders to dive into the future of connected work. I'm Mick Kirsten, CTO of PlanView, and today we'll go deep into the world of generative AI with our guest, Scott Densmore. Scott is VP of Engineering at GitHub, leading the team behind GitHub Copilot. Scott has had an amazing career building products that enable developers to do their best work. From his childhood building tools in BASIC to IDEs to data centers powering developer workloads, developer happiness and productivity are his passion. GitHub Copilot is now in the hands of millions of developers and has been reshaping how software is built. We'll explore the profound impact on developer flow, team dynamics, organizational productivity, and the future of coding itself. So with that, let's get started. Scott, welcome to the Project to Product podcast. You know, I had the opportunity to speak with you back in September at the enterprise retreat focused on AI. And, and as we were kind of looking at our sort of parallel histories through the world of development productivity, uh, I got reminded of this, of this thing I, I was talking about way back in 2007 when I was kind of deep in open source development around how will we ever get to code at the speed of thought? And then I saw one of, one of your slides where you were actually talking about where we're getting to code at the speed of thought. So I think we're now... At this cusp of developer productivity, uh, I thought it'd come from programming languages or new ways of looking at value streams. But then I think we started learning a year ago, you started learning over, let's say a couple of years ago, that it was actually going to come from, from everything happening on generative AI. So tell us a bit more around how you've seen this thing unfold and how you've seen you know, what's happening right now is this, these kinds of productivity shifts like the one that we, a lot of us experienced a couple decades ago in an open source, have actually translated to this, what you all have called the refounding of GitHub itself, not just around Git, not just around source control, but now around, around this notion of a copilot itself. We were talking about this uh, back then, but I think the way I think about this is it's been kind of transformation across this developer productivity idea for decades, <laughs> it seems like, where we have we have tried to infuse things to make developers more productive. I remember, you know, it went from like books on my desk of looking up APIs so that I could ship that, the CDs of documentation, then it was Stack Overflow, it was open source and how we can adopt that to make ourselves more productive to these, uh, you know, IntelliSense and in, in your IDE and all of these things that make that make you more productive to what we have today, which is, you know, this, this idea of a co-pilot and our, our pair programmer. I, I come from the tree of, I was, I love pair programming. I love the idea of having someone there. And I always say like, even the people that don't do traditional pair programming, you always uh, got up from your desk and went to your colleague and you asked them questions. You're like, I'm going to talk out loud about what we're doing and discuss, the, have ideas about the best way to do implementations. Now I can do that with a large language model. I can do this with a, that's why we call it a co-pilot. You can then have that conversation there. You can get code completion that's going to kind of, you know, it's magical. <laughs> it kind of, as you say, I can think it and it kind of comes up with it without me having to type all the characters. And then I can come back to chat where I can ask questions and talk out the idea about what I want and get code given to me or ideas given to me about how those things happen that I can still go talk to humans, but I, I, it's just right there, the flow that I can stay in, right? Like we talk about, I think even, even back then about the flow state that people want to stay in to how do I do this? How do I stay in the flow? And 
at GitHub, we've always been about developers and we've always been about productivity and we've always been about developer happiness because, you know, that flow state is where developers find themselves most happy. So Copal is that next evolution of that. And we've used, you know, taken advantage of this new generative AI to actually make that happen. Yeah. And I think that that flow state, I think we, we all aspire to in our, in our daily work. Um, and I think that it's, it's just critical, right? Sort of at the individual level for developers, at, at the team level and at the organization level. I think that we're still learning about those, this kind of team, team of teams and organization levels, what that looks like. But the thing that's been so amazing to me, and of course our own teams have been at Plans, we've been adopting GitHub Copilot and seeing these, these really significant productivity benefits that I'm, I'm sure you'll tell us about. But it fundamentally changes how values produced through these digital value streams, through through organizations building digital products and experiences. So, and I think in the end, you you are relating it all all back to flows. So, what like can you tell us just just sort of set the stage of how you look at this, right? Because I think there's just obviously tons of buzz and noise around Gen AI, but tell us a bit about the history of GitHub Copilot because I think. We've seen basically a lot of people have seen a year of demos of all sorts of copilots, all sorts of chatbots. Uh, but right. you know, certainly what I've noticed that you've you've been at this, your teams have been at this for a long time, and there's something extremely pragmatic uh, that's working here that actually I think will have this really massive effect on how software is built. So can you just take us through the history of? How you started working on Copilot when you first got access to what well, was a Codex, I guess. What was the first LLM you started working with? Yeah, Codex, yeah, Cushman type. Models, yeah, so yeah. take us through some of the history um, because I think you and your teams are are maybe a year or two ahead of the rest of the industry on on building these kinds of solutions, which of course I think will help provide guidance to others interested in applying to their own domains, their own business. But also, again, I think it it speaks to where things are at already today with what this can do for, for software development productivity. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not the best history teller, but I can give you the, 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 my version of the, of the history <laughs> always, but it, it's, it really started back with these models of these, you know, the open AI and, and these large language models started coming out and, and thinking about what could you actually do with them? Like they, they were interesting. There were more ideas and they were a cool thing that you could do. And it's been a research piece, but what could you actually do with that and apply code to it? Like that was just the idea. It's like, what could you do with code with this? Because that's what we do. Like, how could you make this better? And it really started with how do you ask the question and get a response back that that makes sense? Like, we've we've the corpus of the internet is out there in these large language models, but how do you actually ask the question, and get a good answer back? And that involved a lot of research and data science. And you start thinking about what the quality is, what the prompt should look like, how you can tune the the prompt to ask these questions and also what is the what would a a tuned model look like to answer questions around coding and what would that how would we build something like that so we spent a lot of time working with our partners at azure and who work with OpenAI, and we spent time going okay well we'll build these models and we'll try and come up with a model that works with code and we will spend spend time Asking the, the model questions, you know, basically you send characters in and you get characters back. That's how these models work. That's the easy answer. And then can we get something that that generates code? So you spend a lot of time doing that. And we spent probably a year before we even released uh, anything. And, you know, I think Nat Freeman, uh, who was CEO of, of GitHub at the time, put it this way is, 
you would build this thing. And while we were doing it, you would give it prompts and it was either comes back and it would give you the correct answer. And it's something you would, that you would write. And that was kind of spooky, or it would give you something that was really wrong. And it was kind of kooky, right? Like, so you get, you get, (laughs) you know, like it's either good or bad. Right. And we spent a lot of time, you know, fine tuning that and coming up with the best way to prompt this, these, these models to actually give us back good, good answers across a multitude of languages, right? Like this is the other thing that we deal with is like, it's not just about one language or another. We're trying to do good in all these languages. And of course it depends on what languages we've been, the models have been trained on. There's, you know, Python, JavaScript, Java, those things are pretty, pretty good. But when it comes to other languages, we've had to do a lot of work to, to make it work. Right. So a lot of, to in a nutshell come down to is a lot of this is applied in data science that we did and research that we did for a year or two before we even launched what's in market today with the code completion. And we have just continually worked on that to improve it. And we did a lot of work, you know, and we did a lot of studies to say, Hey, what would be the effective productivity on this? Like you, you know, I, I was around in visual studio days when they invented telesense and the ghost text that you see, they call it, that you see above things in VS code and things like that, that worked on the, all of those things to increase productivity, but like, what would it do to productivity? And we did a lot of studies as well. Like, I think we've talked about some of them, but one of the big ones was we sat some programmers down and we said, Hey, go write an HTTP server. One of you use Copilot, the other doesn't. And the end result of that was, you know, the, the team, the, the folks that had no, that had Copilot did it in an hour. The folks that didn't have it did it in two hours. So it was like a 50% difference between how long it took someone with Copilot versus, you know, how it, and, and of course the thing worked and it was, it was the same as it, you know, the out, the results were the same. So the value system was the same, but it took them a lot less time. So they were much more productive. And I think the, the other thing that we've also measured, and I, I think you, you and I agree on this one, that's, that's uh, hard to sometimes put into words how important this is, but developer, they were happier because they spent less time doing the toil of setup and all these other things that, that developers spend time on, uh, that they just don't enjoy. And again, I, I, I use this phrase a lot of times is we pay developers to think, not to type. We want them to solve ideas. We want them to do things that, you know, end up in value for, for our customers. If we can move, we, whatever we do, we want to get that entirety of the value change. We want to take anything out of the, that process that would help us deliver value more. You know more about this than I do. You do it every day. Well, I think (laughs) that's the, I think it's, it's just this common thread, right? I, I thought my history with it, and I actually had Gail Murphy, my, my PZ supervisor on this podcast a while back. And, and basically during, during chatting my chat with her on the podcast, I was talking about how we were spending all this time measuring developer productivity. And then I just, it just dawned on me, no, all we've ever done on the research side of things, all I'm really continuing to do in my, my owner in the efforts, we're actually measuring unproductivity. We're measuring all the wasted time, right? So anything, and I think this is, this may be a little counterintuitive for people, the point you just made, right? Is that people think, oh, we're going to push our developers more and, and the AI will somehow make their days worse and so on. No, it's removing toil from their day. And what happens when you move, remove toils from someone's day? They're, they're happier, right? They're more productive and they're right. happier. 
So the you know your point on the on the pair program is like like you have done a lot of pair programming and the the really great experiences about that is when someone's helping you the whole way because you've got an expert by your side, right? And so something that might take you an hour to look up just took 30 seconds and they guided you and you learned it and so on. I mean, I still, I'll never forget my first, my first, you know, going from, from VI to Emacs to IntelliSense, right? And, and Visual Studio as well. And, and Borland yeah. J Builder, I was, I was using, doing Java and then Visual yeah. J++. Yeah. But it was that all of a sudden that, that toil that's taken out um, and how much faster it gets you to go and how much it keeps you in the flow of that creative flow is, is incredible. So, you know, I think what you've got right now, what, what you all have created, and I think where we're headed as an industry is, is, is just a, a step function in that. So can you just take us through what's there today? And I think a lot of it is, you know, of course, there's been a lot, some really cool announcements. I just, I do want to touch on because I do think there are these kind of industry push, they will actually help the industry evolve as a whole. But if you could just, Give us some of the core functionality. You know how much, how is it being used? How much of it is? I know chat is new, but how much of it is kind of that more interactive usage? How much of it is that 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 next generation of intelligence of code completion of the of the gray text? Right? How much of it is things that it can do to your existing code or testing? Just for people who are less familiar with the capabilities of GitHub Copilot today. Yeah, sure. So today we have uh, we. It all started with uh, code completion. So when you're typing and you're in the flow state of of just working, it's we, it's the ghost text that shows up, and it's the I have an idea, I'm I'm writing code, then we try and complete as much of that as, as possible. And I always say like it's not about taking the code; it's the the idea that produces. It might get you, give you the exact right code, which is again kind of spooky and in some ways, or it might give you enough to go, oh, that's the right direction, but I would write it differently, and I could do it this way. I could take it and you know, refactor some of it or do those things. And then we also introduced chat and the chat really kind of changes things where not only can you uh, use it to, you know, ask questions, but you can ask questions like explain this code to me. You could highlight a block, blocks of text and, and say, explain this code to me. And you get a better answer. You can be like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of giving myself a, an answer on this, on this explain, explanation of code that I might have to go ask someone or, they're offline and I can't ask them or things like I can take and, you know, I'm a test first guy, but we'll just assume that everybody doesn't write unit test first, <laughs> but the, I can write tests from these codes. And I even played around with, Hey, what if I write a test and then I try and go like, Hey, write some code for this test. So it's, you get some interesting results out of that, but there's, there's things like write. So a lot of people, or you have old code that doesn't have tests. I can just like slash tests in VS code I can then get the test for that thing and I will get a test and I can put that right in my code base. And now I have more confidence in the changes that I make with my code. I can do a lot of things today about also doing, you know, like how would I write this code or how can I improve this code? So some refactorings around like, Hey, I've got this big long function because we've all seen them. I have more than a page of a function because there's so many ifs and everything's. And I can ask Copilot, like, how could I refactor this code or how can I make this more readable and get results on how could I break this thing apart? Even code, give you examples of code, the, the code that actually refactors this so that I can actually do that. A lot of those toiled things again, that normally you would do, but I can then break this apart, I can reason about my code, and then I can get back into actually solving the problem that I want to do. And it really, that that's that chat piece that comes along. And a lot of the things, you know, that we announced at uh, Universe where we're trying to 
make this all fit together. Um, one of the big ones that we announced that I think is super beneficial to people is how we can do customization. So a lot of customers come in and say, Hey, this is great. Copilot works, gives me the great, you know, it gives me these great suggestions, but I really wish it would be more like my code, right? Like they want to customize it for themselves. And we have these two idea, two ways of doing that where we can build a model on top of your code, which is uh, something that we did, we announced with AMD. So Verilog, they, they build hardware. They don't, that's not something that's out in the open. They tried Copilot, didn't work. We worked with them and built a custom model on their code. And it's all written in Verilog and they loved it. They, it was so much better for them. Wait, so you're building a small model on their code? Yes. Yep. So it's, it's a, instead of us, and it's not to get too nerdy, but uh, it's something that the researchers at Microsoft came up with. It's called oh, Laura, so low, low okay. rank adaptation. Yeah. Yep. This is the low rank a- adaptation. And then when we, we build a smaller model on top of the large language model, it, that's based on your code. And we keep that for you. We don't, we don't train on anything that's trained just for you. And then you can use that uh, within the code completion and it actually makes your results so much better. And we've, in the, that's just like the original work. We've been working on that for a year. Like we've been doing customization like that for a year. We've also started introducing uh, retrieval augmentation generation, which is uh, a way of taking your code and we built a semantic index on it and think of like you can do lex- lexical search on top of code or anything else. I can build a semantic search on top of that and we can inject that into the prompt and change the output from the large language model based on what we can inject to the, the prompt, which is just the thing we send down to the large language model and get results back so that you can get better results on that. And we did that for docs and for code. And we've been able to do that. And we've integrated chat into, which is the same into the IDE, into mobile, into, into the uh, CLI. So we want to make Copilot ubiquitous, right? Like if you think about this idea that as a developer, I have to work in, all these different places. And I I have more than just typing code. We want to make that available to you. We want, I always say like, we we want to make your copilot available, available to you wherever you are. Amazing. And so I think just from a point of view of the LM capability and the technology, you're now at the point where obviously the capabilities that it has out of the box are just, just incredible given everything that's come from GitHub, all the open source code, everything else. Um, And then your sense is that in terms of what's, what needs to be customized, I don't know, for, for certain types of hardware, specific code, or just other domains, that this will come from, from RAG and from lower rank adaptation. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, like, these, these models, and they keep improving, right? We went from, you know, 3, 3, 5 Turbo to 4. We're on 4. They just released 4 yep. Turbo. And they just keep getting better. And we will take advantage of every model under the covers, that customers, you know, we take care of this. We customers don't have to adopt these models. We adopt them, and we do. And we've been working. You know, we spent months before we adopted for uh, t- testing all of the capabilities because we're still very interested in quality, right? Like you, the quality of answers is just as important as the answer themselves. So we 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 do a lot of testing, and this is back to we have an entire data science research team that does all of this apply science that does all of this for us constantly changing out the models, moving to where we use four versus, you know, three, five, uh, four is a very expensive, uh, just to, to kind of give you an example. I think we talked about this at Hefman Bay, like, you know, three, five turbo can run on four GPUs. It's 24, for but four. eight for turbo, right? <laughs> so, 
<laughs> it, it just got yeah. through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and eight for turbo. So like now we can, so th- this is why we take advantage of this and we can just get better and better and better about how we can uh, keep adding that capabilities to that. And I, I, you know, I even forgot, I didn't forget, but the, we launched so many things in universes. The other one was our advanced security features where you can now do so much more with advanced security. We're, we're changing the way advanced security works. We used to do our own algorithms to find passwords and all of these different things that you could do. And now you can auto fix them. You can find more passwords and we can use the LLMs to actually increase the probability of, and, and the likelihood of finding things and with code QL and all of these things inside of advanced security to uh, make that even better. So like I said, we're, we're making, we're, when he said we're refounded on AI, uh, he being Thomas, he's not kidding. We are infusing the entire platform with AI and it's, we're doing it very in a, in a way that makes developers productive. It's not just like, Hey, this looks unhappy. Like, you know, we have, we have it, we have a hammer. We're just yeah. going to go. <laughs> go hammer everything it's where we find that it's useful for folks that's and customers that's where we want to put it okay and i think this is this is one of the most fascinating things right between the approaches that you've taken the kind of customizations that that you've already got working and of course where we are with gpt4 and 4 turbo and where things will get to with gpt next or five or what whatever it'll be called i think that the technology is there right to for for all of this to happen You've managed to package up in a very developer-friendly way and to integrate it with existing de- developer workflows. To, you know, to have these the, the use cases are there, right? Like the, the next generation of IntelliSense, your your off your offboard brain sitting next to you always as, as your pair programmer. So I think my sense is it's it's now for for organizations out there. It's it's really how you adopt this and and where you adopt this. So can you just speak it a little? And I I actually do want to dig into some of. The latest things have come because I think that the advanced security is 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 amazing, right? It's it actually will address some of the core challenges that a lot of organizations have today with with onboarding developers onto everything that's going on. It's it's just getting almost impossible to have everyone enabled on on all the threats out there, right? So we actually need Gen AI to 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 address these things. But before we get into some of the exciting capabilities that that have arrived and where you kind of where you see things going, how What's your guidance for adoption? Yeah, I think that every organization needs to think about how they want to use AI to help solve the problems that they have and deliver value. If you think about it in the software terms, which I'm talking about, and I, we've talked about this many times, the software value chain is not just code, <laughs> right? It is a idea to production uh, that you need in the entire space. So you need a way to think about where can I use AI to help reduce the or improve the the delivery of this value. And if you think about you know, what we're talking about in code, it's just one little piece. If I can, if you go back to the HTTP server example, and if I, you know, twenty percent of my value, cha- you know, it takes twenty percent of my time from the coding perspective, and I want to reduce that by half to ten percent. I still have this, all this other on the sides that I can do, whether it be security or you know, builds or all these other pieces of the chain where I spend my time, you need kind of a strategy to, to, to solve those problems, but an AI can be part of that strategy and you should, you should think about it. And that's why we're trying to introduce it to the entire platform so that we can help customers uh, adopt that. And that's from code completion to chat, to advanced security, to chat where, where to, I can do 
PR summarization, we didn't even touch on that was one of the announcements is I can talk about like, you think about when I do a PR, the first people thing somebody asks is like, what is this for? Right? Like if I'm going to review a PR, the first question I'm asking is like, why did you do this? And what is this for? We're really good at the what we're not so great at the, the why yet. But why, you know, we can get the the developers say, why did you do this? And then we can summarize the what, what did you do? What all changed? And then you can start, you know, looking at the diffs and, and looking at that, that type of things. I have, you know, I, I, you know, if you didn't see the demo, but you can start indexing the internal documentation, the markdown files in your organization, like, and you can start asking questions about how I do things or what's the standard way of, you know, building something that, you know, we use inside of, uh, inside of our organization, a lot of this onboarding things beyond just that. And there's, there's all of this within the, when do I get someone to deliver value for, for our customers? How do I make that happen? And it, I can reduce that entire time to value. That's it. And, you know, I always tell people like, don't think of, of AI as replacing people. It's to increase your productivity to get more value. How you get, you know, what you do with the increased productivity and the time you can have to, to, to do more value. Like, it should just be delivering more because that's what customers want. And I think as an organization, you should be thinking about that entire flow of how do I reduce the toil? How do I increase the value that I can, I can give to my customers internally, externally? And how can I use these tools to make that happen? And I think the more you adopt that, if you don't, like you're just falling behind. It's almost like I, I'm, it's almost like saying we don't give our developers IDEs. They should use Vim or they, <laughs> They should use Notepad and and figure out all the compiler flags to do that because you know we don't want to spend the money to figure out how to make them more productive. Yeah, exactly. I think it's this this is obvious to some organizations and to some leaders and, and just less obvious to others. So we it, it's been fascinating because we we wanted you know internally at, at, at my organization at PlanView we wanted to make this this really clear how quickly we needed to move on this as soon as we saw where the capabilities of GitHub Copilot specifically, but of course the the larger productivity benefits that, that come from Gen AI were going. But for, for GitHub Copilot, we just, okay, we've got a way of measuring flow, developer flow, right? It's, it's, it's the flow framework and, yeah. and, our, and our Viz solution. And so it was as simple as, okay, well, if we can accelerate the flow of these value streams and these teams with Copilot, it's a very clear investment case around making sure that that's accessible to our developers. So, you know, so that took all of like we actually did it internally a study. It took all of four weeks. <laughs> it was very quick and obvious. But but the fascinating yeah. thing is is I think one of the challenges that we see these kinds of uh, it, I don't know, this is this is just a fundamentally bizarre thing for me because organizations, many enterprise organizations will have, you know, banks have more developers than bankers, but are are the developers getting the right kind of tools to make them productive? And I think part of the challenge, of course, is if you don't measure flow and productivity in some meaningful and developer and team friendly way, right? Because there's all sorts of silly ways of doing it, like lines of code generated. Not those were, I think, very relevant benchmarks you created. Hey, well, everybody can yeah, game exactly. that system. Yeah, yeah. Even even better now. It's even easier to game now. But value, some kind of metric of value delivered. All of a sudden, these things become very clear business cases for why you need to adopt this, and and you know where you might want to adopt it first, right? Uh, some of your, your more most critical projects or products or, or or value streams. So the I guess in the end, you know, you mentioned that it's it's this end to end value change that that's so key. Coding is a small part of it, but given the investment that's gone into software and the fact that for a lot of organizations that's that's now the biggest cost bucket, 
how could you a not measure it and b not not invest in accelerating it? Yeah, and it's and again, I I always say when I talk to customers and in their strategy is you need to find a way to measure. They always ask me like, how does this make? How do we prove that it makes you more productive? I'm like, you know, how do you measure it today so that you can actually you know have a baseline to to compare? It's like the same thing. It's like if you need a way to measure today so that you can say like, how is this making more productive? And you know, and and you need to measure developer happiness. I say one of the things that's also true is developers jump around jobs and usually they jump around jobs because they're not happy with their current situation. Just we, you mentioned this before where they're not happy with their team or their teams, of te- the organizations, like we don't invest in a culture of, of helping and in, in investing in developers. And it's, it's a big thing to do because when they're happy, they are more productive and they're willing to stay. And we all know the cost of onboarding a developer is not cheap <laughs> as we, as, as anyone has done it knows so we want to, once you invest in them, you want to be, make sure that they're happy and productive. And I think that's the measurement there can help you drive. And especially when you talk about organizations, I talk to many VPs of engineering and they're saying like, well, I just need to, I just need to prove it to the, the financial guys. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like, you need to be able to measure it. And then this is the productivity gains you can do. So do a quick study. And every time somebody does a quick study or things like that, they've been able to show these productivity gains and beat down the financial guys and go like, yeah, they're willing. To yeah. And, and oftentimes you know, in, in a lot of these organizations, it's, it's sometimes HR reports, the financial, financial people. And sometimes, <laughs> I, but the interesting thing is with, I was debating for a while when, when making the full framework, do I put happy? Cause I made happiness one of the metrics. So it's basically, it's around happiness and productivity. Those, those exact words you used. And one of the things that CFOs I saw most resonate with, like they were very happy to see happiness there. In the end, people know that, Happy, engaged staff create better experiences, products, organizations, and so on. So we, by the way, we, we, this is exactly how we measure internally uh, as well. So for all of yeah. my value streams, it's just two things. It's there's in our OKRs, this is in our top level OKRs, is the productivity metric. So for us right now, it's just flow velocity because it's really that end-to-end velocity that really matters. For, for a lot of our organizations, we, we, we suggest flow time, how long it takes you to deliver value end-to-end. All the way from when when you started right. working on a value stream, created some design, or worked on some design to when you've got got running software. But we actually pair that, so we we pair flow velocity with with employee net promoter score with a happiness metric, right? Because that's it, it makes it the economics of adding something like automation or GitHub Copilot so easy when both numbers go up. And again, I think this is this is the point where if organizations don't have that kind of visibility to move, and this is this is the guidance I've been giving in my presentations. You a you need that visibility, and b you can't wait if if you're not deploying these kinds of solutions right now, and you, either your competition is, or you'll take another year to yep. go through whatever processes or approvals you need, or business cases you need to do it. A year will have gone by, and it does. I guess. Scott, this is the thing I've noticed. It does, even though like, things like the completion is, you just get value from it so quickly. Some things, and I think I've heard you speak about this as well, some things do take time for developers to learn in terms of the capabilities that they have right. with kind of within Copilot, not to mention you keep building these things out, right? Um, advanced security might take a little bit longer than just the instant value you get from the completion. So I guess, how what, what guidance do you give there? Because... My sense is, how does it look like over time in terms of how you see the effect on teams and the productivity effect over time? Yeah, I think that the, from completion, it definitely it's a, it's it's kind of a you start 
really in the the beginning, you've gotten great value out of it. And and then the you see a little bit of a lull and then it goes back up. As people learn how to use the tool, it's just like giving anybody a new tool. They they need to learn how to use it, how to integrate it within their environment. We've had people to say like, oh, I, I don't need this. I'm already a good developer. I to and then you they get to use it and they kind of change their minds about it. Some people they'll never change their minds <laughs> about it. But there's this idea that as you adopt the tools, you will learn and change your workflows and it just takes time to do it. Co-completion is like the the jump in the water. I can swim. I can do this. This is easy. And, and when it comes to chat, you kind of adopt these and you have to know like when you're doing it. I, I watch people. It's interesting. A lot of times, and I think we've talked demos about this, is you can write a comment and, and then co-completion will give you what you want, like the, the function that you're trying to do. And I always say like, well, you're, you're trying to prompt engineer code completion into what you want. Whereas sometimes what you really want is to go to chat and ask the question and get it to give you a code, which is a little bit easier than having, you know, prompting right there. Although staying in the flow of writing code in right there is great, but that's like, there's, there's this, like, you'll start doing this. And in fact, that's what I learned that I did. I was like, well, I, I'm kind of trying to prompt the code completion to do what I want because I know what I want and I'm lazy and I don't want to type it. <laughs> so, but I can describe it in, in the words that I want to use. Now I go to chat to do those things, but code completion is still there for, or, you know, the ghost test is still there for me when I'm actually just typing code and trying to solve the problem uh, that I'm in. So, you know, I think it takes time to learn these tools and to kind of change the way you think about them. And then when we introduce things into .com and github.com and we, talk about like chat within.com I can go the great thing now is I can just open up you know any code and highlight some text and say explain this to me and I can then get a answer out of like how this or I can just open up a, a chat window and pick a repo and start asking questions about that repo I don't even have to highlight anything I just start asking questions about that repo and it will give me an answer uh, around the question I'm asked. So I don't have to like open up the code base, search through things, do anything. I can just say, pick this repo, ask this question. It tells me, you know, and then I can go about doing whatever other problem I'm trying to solve. So it just, it just makes this whole interaction easier. And it just takes time to kind of learn how to use all these tools together to kind of, to bring that interaction together. Amazing. So, Okay, so then where 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 do you think this is going? Because I think that let's the numbers that we see. So this is enterprise organizations uh, right now. What, when we look at their end to end value stream, so all the way kind of from ideation to to running software and, and value delivered, uh, we're right now seeing, and this is a little depressing, is that that eight percent of the time spent is is in development. Now, of course, in technology companies, it's much more. Right in digital natives, it's much more. Right. And your teams. Uh, you know, it's much more. So how do we, of course, what we've been trying to do, what I've been really focused on is, okay, how do we remove those other bottlenecks? So such as dependencies between value streams or really long approval processes, security reviews that take weeks, budget funding approvals that are upstream of development teams. And of course, we've, we've been working on a, on a plan view copilot that identifies those and helps, you res- helps the organization resolve them. Because those tend to be process and organizational design issues and other other dysfunctions of that sort. But do you, like, where do you think this goes in terms of organizations who have addressed those kinds of things? Are, is, are we going to 2x, 10x are, are the capability of developers but by taking all this burden out of their day and, and allowing them to spend that much more time on building out ideas rather than 
tests and and learning about the latest security reviews. Now, of course, test driven. I still, I still, I'm still a fan of test driven. So they, they, what, what, yes. we should keep that in mind. Yeah. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just leave that one for there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but where do, where do you see it going for organizations who really are at the leading edge of uh, adopting this this new way of of building software? I don't know. Like I, I, you know, I, I always say there's this st- saying that well, we overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in ten. Um, and the reason I don't know is because I don't know what other people are going to build. You keep, I, I kind of want to focus in on this, this idea that you built a copilot, right? Like you have this idea about helping build a copilot and it kind of, I'm going to kind of use this to jump on what we think about that and how the reason I say I don't know is because there's all these ideas about what people could do. We're GitHub. We, we focus on code and docs and just like developer productivity and things like that. But there's so much more to more than GitHub that developers use from it being Jira to, you know, other tools. They use Datadog, Splunk. They, their day is filled with more than just writing code, right? Like just like the tools that you guys have, there's more, like you have to do this because there's so many dependencies. There's so much work that goes on beyond just the coding of the, of the product. How do I support it? How do I do all these things? And when it comes to that, organizations use lots of tools. We're, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I would love for everybody to just use GitHub and that was it. Um, but even at GitHub, we don't use just GitHub. We have uh, Datadog and Splunk and Sentry for exceptions and things like that, that all of us use. But when we use all these tools and we do all these things, we are asking a lot of developers. We're asking them to be experts, security, all of these things in a lot of things. That's why you developed advanced security. You don't have to be an ex- expert in security. You don't have to be an expert in all the code. You, we, we've built these co-pilots for you. But what we want is to other people, just like you build other co-pilots, because that will kind of be the next thing that we can do. And I, I, I use this term of, because you're asking the developer to be an expert, what you really want is give them, bring in the experts so that they can, they don't have to be the expert in everything. I always use this idea that I'm a developer. I get woke up at two 30 in the morning because we all know that bugs exist and we want something happens to the, to the system. Customers are not ups, are now upset. What they want is everything back online. I mean, we even have these, <laughs> our site goes has problems and we have to go to customers. We have to like, get the site back up and running because, you know, getting that is, is number one. Meantime, the resolution, that is like a, something that people should measure. And that's what we we also measure. But when it comes to that, I have to be in, you know, I have to know, go to Sentry. I have to go to Datadog. Like, let's go to Datadog and look at what, what actually happened. And then let's track down the exception in Sentry. And within that exception, then I got to go find the code that happened. What was the change that was actually made that caught, that introduced this? What do I need to fix so that I can actually do this and check that in and then push that out to production. But if I, when we, we, we thought, we thought about this, we said, what if we built an extensibility platform for Copilot? What if you could build your own agent, your, we call them agents and skills. Like we launched this at universe that you could build on top of Copilot and bring that into the workflow of the developer. Think if you, you know, I'm in.com. I have, I can go to Sentry. I see, I, or Datadog. I see that we're having a bunch of 500s. I can associate that when in Sentry, I can just paste like these, URLs into chat and it will bring this stuff up right in that, you know, just think of this view that I have for Sentry. I have these exceptions listed. I see my little copilot logo right there on the exception. I say like, yeah, take me to this repo and this, this, this code where this exception is happening because you have it there and we have it all in GitHub. So 
let's do that. I can take you to the blame view. I can see all the changes. I can then say, look at this code. I can have Copilot suggest me a fix. I can then have Copilot, you know, say, push this to production and it will go out and do the build and do all of these, uh, do everything it requires to go through to production, just like a chat ops type thing, but it's going through Copilot. And all that has done is like allow these companies to build experts to allow me to do that. And I can now solve that problem in 30 minutes rather than three hours. And these experts have been brought in. So if I build, I can bring in, and we, we showed this off at uh, Universe where we showed how you could do this with Datastacks or all these partners, Datastacks, LaunchDarkly and uh, Postman, just kind of to name a few of the, of the folks that we're working with to say, bring in the experts to help these developers be more productive, right? Like that's, we co- it always comes back to that. But not just writing code, right? Like, because that is just a small part of their job. But we ask developers to be so much more than that. If we can give them the tools to help them be better and deliver value, that's more than just, you know, I'm talking about meantime to resolutions because these things happen as well. We can do that. Yeah, and I think so. You you are taking this ecosystem approach, right? Which I think is just so critical because I yeah. think the, you know. Pretty much all the developers I work with and then I speak to day-to-day, the, the amount of cognitive load from these various tools that make a part of their day, it's 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 just it's not getting better, right? Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it going the other way. So so having agents as those experts and and not needing to be expert on on every single thing as as I have I have that's not even a that that's just prevention of reduction of productivity that we're putting on our developers by <laughs> By making them yes. build on all these different stacks and, and frameworks and services and all of that, so so this is your so, so Copilot will be an entry point into agents that will and actually can you just go one layer into how how you see this the into the agents and the skills and how sure. others should so, think about whether they should be building them within their own organizations uh, for specific things that that they want to do as part of their their, their development processes and pipeline. And as well as the, just the overall ecosystem that you envision. Well, this is early days in our in, in our exploratory. This we've actually been working on this for a while. In fact, if you saw uh, Docs, the Docs demo at Universe, where we search for Docs and we bring in Docs, these are these are skills that we actually built on the, the extensibility. And you saw LaunchDarkly and Datastacks. These are agents and skills that we had that we worked with them to build uh, on top of this platform. And and the idea that if we kind of drill into that is. You kind of bring in this 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 ecosystem that we will you can bring into your organization. So if you think about GitHub apps today, we're building on top of that. I can bring in this you know this agent or skill. It will then go through all the authorizations and authentications of because it's it's basically a GitHub app. It goes through that same we built on top of that. So that is this mark the you can then have access to repos and issues and what you can control that through your organizations. We, we want to build in security from the, uh, the forefront and give administrative control over how all this is done. Um, developers like to just pull in everything. And sometimes uh, that doesn't work well with the enterprise. So we, we want to give those controls to, to everyone. And that, that gives you the ability and for us to think about a marketplace for these third-party folks, as well as ourselves, to uh, build these agents and skills so that you can pull them in and plug and, and bring them in and have developers, they're already in their workflow, right? Like, it's not like we're changing the mm-hmm. fact that they're part of their workflow. We're making them more productive because we, we're giving everyone the ability to bring that in as an expert and work within the co-pilot system. So if I'm in chat within .com and VS Code and Visual Studio, I mean, 
uh, jet brains. Like that's going, I think it's December 6th or that, around yeah. the first, first part of December. It's going to be the, the preview. Um, it's, it's private preview right now. We've been working on that hard and these you'll within that you'll be able to do things like you'll use these intent modifiers, like an at or a slash, like we do slash test, but you can do like at docs and then ask it questions and, and, and what doc set you want. And you'll, it will send that up. You could do like at plan view and ask it questions and be able to go and get information from that agent or that skill to bring that back in. And we're basically allowing you to either modify the prompt and we'll ask the questions or it'll just come right back from you and you do all the work and we'll just send that back. And there's still a lot of work to do to make sure that we're doing this safely and securely, but that is the goal of what we want to do is bring in these experts to, to again, to remove, remove the toil on top of the developer of them knowing everything and then give them more capabilities. Because like I said, I don't know what, what people will do with this. Like I'm sure, you know, when they launched the app store with, the iPhone, they didn't know what was going to show up. I think that's what he, what back in the, the, one of the conferences, what Steve Jobs said, he's like, I don't know. Depends on what people built. We're opening it up. We want people to build amazing things. And that's what we want people to do is like build amazing things to help developers be more productive. No, that's awesome. I think the fact that it's, it's, it's there. And I mean, GitHub.com is nice, but the, the fact that you, it's there in, yeah. in the day-to-day workflow of the developer, right? In the day-to-day flow of in VS Code and through GitHub is, is amazing because I know we're very excited about the, the kinds of things that we can add to make it much easier for the developer to, developers to work with and to, to have these agents that for them work with all of these different issue track and an incident management and project and portfolio and product management tools. So so super excited that you're putting in that extensibility and uh, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to to leveraging that. So okay, so we're kind of running to time here, but I really Scott, I want to get your sense like where. Uh, on the things that you don't know, <laughs> which is where, where things are, where you claim you don't know. But you, know, you are, like a lot of this is headed to this this thing that we've all heard as English as a new programming language, right? So do you see this? Now, right. I think I l- love the approach that you have taken of not saying we're making this one. I've always, I never loved no-code platforms because I love code. Um, I love the fact that, that, that yeah. Copilot loves code too and helps people code because I think there's now... A lot of this, of course, is we can now express these intentions and ideas with less code and and more natural language. So, wh- where do you see that? Do you think this is going to continue to make it easier for de- developers to be experts in various ways of coding and various platforms that they're building on, and so on, in a code centric way, or do you think it'll be a mix of of natural language and coding? And and are you going to like what we bring in non-developers where we're kind of UX experts start expressing ideas. I, I'm going to answer this question a little from a history perspective. So I've been doing in this, this, this field for a long time and we've, we've tried this many, many times where we're like, how do we get rid of the code part? <laughs> we've never really never. been able no, to do it. I, I've like, tried. I, remember, I, yeah. I remember when we, yeah, when I remember at some point we were like, you know, and even we tried to turn code into a natural language, like, BDD and things like that, where we're, we're really trying to do this already. We've been really, really trying to do this. And I think these LLMs help has helped us get to a point where we can do this. So if you, one of the things we launched is the one more thing at universe was this idea of workspace where I can describe all my intent and what we want to do without writing code and copilot can change the code, can write the code for me. So do I think we'll get there? Yes. Do I think we'll ever get away from needing to look at code? Because 
I can get it to write code, but then I've got to go like, if the bug happens, can I go fix the code? Can I like, again, underestimate what we can do in 10 years. I don't know where we're going to be in 10 years. Like it, it, there are so many possibilities there, but I think there will always be code. I think that, that there will be the need for us to be the pilot, to understand how this works. Like, it's just like anything else. Like there has to be someone that understands how it works. And I'm, there are still assembly level assembly um, programmers on the planet today because they need to understand how it works. I mean, we still need COBOL programmers. Now we want to move away from COBOL and we're all moving, like trying to have these LLMs where they're doing a really good job to transform it to another language. But there will always be this need for people to know how this works and, and to, to express it. But what I think that it, what we will get to is making it easier for people to be developers. Every company on the planet is a software company. They have some sort of software that runs their business. They, they invest in it. And being able to invest in that and make that easier to adopt and to be a developer where, you know, I remember, I can't remember the exact things that we called it, but like where we can have the tests written and then that's the kind of, we've upfront said the specification, like how we specify things. Now we're just in, in doing that same thing in a very natural language way. And it's also emitting the code out of that specification. If you look at what workspace can do and what we're trying to do there and you will still need the code, but it will go and try and do its best to, to do that. And I think again, in 10 years, I don't know where we'll be, but I think there will always be code. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I agree. And I, I did spend a lot of time trying to get rid of code and you know, even early days of making, you know, intentional programming, all these, all these things that we tried and making code look more like the business, making business people code. I think, I think what you're saying is, is yeah. for outcomes, I think that's the most effective strategy, right? Is, is make it easier for people to be developers within your organization and even as there's, even if the ratio of code goes down, it's still that computational thinking. So I'm still encouraging my children right. to to learn to code as well, right? Because it's, yeah, <laughs> I think that. And, well, it uh, always comes back uh, to code is a means to yeah. an end. It's just the it's the same way we teach our kids to to communicate with us. It's like how do you communicate that critical thinking of those ideas of how do you solve a problem? Code is that means to an end to interface with that computer to solve that problem but if we can make that easier to do and make it more productive for people to do there will still be code behind that until we get rid of the zeros and ones that's really the, the way we can go that, go down that route and i think it's just a higher level of, of abstraction now that we keep we keep doing from assembly to c to c plus plus to all these higher levels of abstractions now we Again, natural language is that next step. Well, I think there is probably no more profound statement to end on than the fact that you, specifically, the you know, the, the leader of GitHub Copilot, is teaching your kids to code today. So uh, let's let's just yes. let's just hope that they're a hundred <laughs> times more productive than, than you and I ever were. So, and I think they will be. <laughs> well, I can t I can tell you with Copilot they are. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, amazing, Scott. Thank you so so much. I think this is just uh, so in insightful, and I do hope anyone who's not. Uh, well ahead of this this curve of the kind of productivity and and happiness benefits that this brings should 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 look into this quickly. Any any closing thoughts? I really appreciate you. I I've, I had a great time talking to you about this. I love the stuff that you were doing with with Gen AI and and what you guys are doing. I think it's everyone should look into this. And like I said, I am I've been a developer most of my life. Been in developer tools for most of my life and. To me, this is the, one of the most exciting changes I've seen in the de developer productivity space in forever. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, Scott, for joining us on Make Plus One today. To stay up to date, follow me on LinkedIn or X. 
If you're looking to dive deeper, check out the Project to Product book and know that all author proceeds go to supporting women and minorities in technology. Thanks, and until next time.